I'm excited about today's guest because he is all about small business and which is big business. And it's all business right here on All Business. And I'm talking about Gene Marks. He's a columnist. You'll see him writing for the Washington Post, Forbes, Huffington Post, Inc. Magazine, Entrepreneur. He even writes for the Philadelphia Magazine. How's about that? Because he's from the Philly area. You know, he's got five books on business management. You see him a lot on TV, Fox Business, MSNBC. He and I have both been on MSNBC together. And that's where we first met. And I thought, man, I like this guy. I'm going to have to have him on the show. And I'm so glad to have him on the show today. You know, he's also a former CPA. I guess if you're a former CPA, you're still CPA. And then he's also worked for the international consulting firm. And I'm talking about a big one, the KPMG. And so we're so pleased to have him with us. But before we go right to the interview, I want to talk about my good friends at Institu because I want to talk about style and you need to style. And I love my all business sponsor Institu. That's what it is in Stitch You. They specialize in custom tailored menswear for the modern gentleman. It's a perfect guarantee. They got tailored suits now. Start at $4.99 and shirts for $99. I'm wearing one right now. And all you got to do is use the code C Suite NY and you'll receive two shirts when you spend $499. So go buy it. Go buy a custom made suit. Look, I used to get these custom made suits. Just the jacket used to cost me three, four thousand dollars. Then I found these guys, and I'm telling you, every quarter I just go out and get new stuff. And it's awesome. And it's good looking stuff. So with that, let's go talk to Gene Marks. From Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, Gene, we all know that small businesses are the backbone of this country. I mean, it's been known that for, for years and years and years. But you, and you've been covering this space for a long time. What do you think the biggest issues small businesses are facing right now? I think, you know, it's funny. It's the same issue that businesses have always faced, regardless of who is in Washington, what administration is in power, Jeff. It's always the it's always the, the uncertainty of the future. You know, I mean, I meet business owners. I mean, look, take, take my business, right? I mean, I have a 10-person company. We install CRM systems, you know, customer relationship management systems. We do like Salesforce mm-hmm. and Microsoft Dynamics and a few others. And, you know, like I got, I don't know, like, you know, 15, 20 projects going on right now. I'm pretty good for the next four months or so. And then after that man it's like it's a cliff you know it's like i don't know what's coming after that what's next what's next you better be checking that crm funnel make sure you got enough (laughs) you're not kidding i mean you know it's it's funny you say that because when we sell you know to clients i mean we 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 get the same message saying look we're in the same boat as you but we lean heavily on our crm system because that's the only way that we can really make sure we've got a good pipeline we've got opportunities in place and you know in the end you know things always seem to click and, and happen but you ask, you know, like, what is sort of the biggest issue? And it's always that with, with myself and most of my clients. Like, we never know what's going to come down the pike. And I hate it when people complain about uncertainty because there's always been uncertainty. You know, I mean, no matter where you are in history, I mean, imagine running a restaurant under, you know, Julius Caesar's time. I mean, there was uncertainty as to whether or not you'd be arrested for tax evasion, you know. And so it's always, there's always that sort of thing going on. But, you know, with business owners, you know, traditionally, we 
don't know what's coming up in the future. We're always grappling with legislation coming out of Washington. We're grappling with the markets. We're grappling with potential recessions, a fall off in demand, a competitor, a big box tour, you know, coming down the street, whether or not we're on top of our game or not. That uncertainty is always the biggest issue that weighs on all of our minds. And the smarter people that I meet, they continue to battle and they're nimble and they're innovative and they try to stay ahead of that. But, you know, I don't think that most small businesses worry about what's going on in D.C. as much Mm -hmm. as we give them credit for. I think yeah. they're more concerned about the big box store coming down the pike or what's in their pipeline or or do they have employees that are going to show up that that are smart or you know or on time. I, I think those are more of the issues they face than the than the, the policy kinds of things, don't you? Yeah, I, I think you're so right. I mean, let's, you know, sometimes if I'm speaking to a group of business owners and, you know, we start talking about the deficit, I can literally see their eyes glaze over in front of me, you know, yeah. and it's because it's almost like, we know this sounds really bad. I'm just really not sure if this impacts my business or not right now. And I am more concerned with, like you just said, I, Walmart is building a store down the street for me and that, that's a bigger concern to me. So unless it really hits us in the pocketbook, a lot of business owners aren't, aren't concerned. And it's funny for small businesses, if you look, small businesses are talked a lot less about now than they were eight or 10 years ago. Because eight or 10 years ago, when there was a recession going on, a lot of small businesses were, were failing. And that was a national news story. And that was a, you know, a political issue. Now, I mean, listen, you know, no news is good news. Most of the clients I have and most of my readers, everybody says they could be doing better, of course, and everybody's battling, but they're doing okay. And, you know, when you're doing okay, that's not very interesting news to the media. So it's only when certain policies in Washington or the economy in general starts turning south, that's when we all start saying, oh, you know, maybe our politicians could be doing more for us. So it's it's like it's uh, not great times, but not bad times. It's just okay times, right? For most small business. Yeah, it's. It's tough to generalize, right? I mean, you know, you said small business is the backbone in the country, right? There's there's 30 million small businesses in the country. And and granted, most of them are like single employer companies, you know, with like one employee or and one individual. But that's a lot of small businesses. So I get that a lot. And you must get it too, Jeff. And people will be like, so, you know, how's things going on in corporate America? How's things in small? And you're right. like, well, you know, it's depending on the industry you're in, you know, things could be really great. Or depending on where your business is located, things might not be going so great. So it's just, it, it's really tough for me to say like at any time, like how are small businesses are doing? You know, everybody's doing great. Well, the good ones do, the good ones, the good ones do good. I mean, they do great. Yeah. You know, great ones do great. Yeah. I, I know people, you know, even in bad times, there are businesses that make a lot of money and that grow significantly, even in bad times, if you're really good and you have a, a value proposition that's un- unique to against everybody else, I think you'll do great. I think you're right. And also, if you're unromantic, right, you don't buy into some entrepreneurial dream that you're saving the world and you're more pragmatic about what you're doing, which is running a business. And, you know, my best clients, they know how to buy something for a buck and sell it for three, you know, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be sexy. It doesn't have to be some tech startup. It doesn't have to be something that the most innovative thing in the world. I had one client, I remember this was like 10 years ago. And it was like, it was a guy, he runs like a a paper distribution business and he very profitable. And he was a younger guy. He was like a 30 year old guy, 32 year old guy, but the guy, you know, he had it right. He was a guy that, you know, like I said, he could buy for a buck, sell for three. And I would say to him, like, what would happen, you know, Al, if like this, you know, thing, 
things turned south or, you know, you, you know, you lost that big customer or whatever. And he'd be like, you know, Gene, I would go to like, you know, down to Wilmington, which is near Philly where I live. And, you know, I would go on, you know, online, I would find stuff that people were looking to buy in Wilmington. And then I'd look for what people were trying to sell up in New Jersey and I'd match them together. You know, I would do deals. <laughs> and, you know, business owners I know that succeed, they just have that mindset. They're not, you know, they'll always be able to put food on the table. They'll always be able to hustle. And they're not romantic about what they do. They don't really care what they're selling or what they're doing as long as they can make money after it and they enjoy doing it. So let me ask a political question because, yeah, because I can. What the heck? You know, I had somebody <laughs> uh, yesterday, I was doing a, one of our Hero Club City Summits where we invite all these CEOs in and we have a little bit of a talk about things and talk about becoming a hero CEO. And one of the folks that came was an just a, an Obama hater and a, and a Trump lover and, and was, mm. you know, l- lamenting about, you know, the that the world was going to end under Obama and now it's so much greater under Trump. And he was mostly talking about, you know, almost he was talking about society in general, but he was really talking about business. Do you see a big right. difference between the two? The difference that I see is more psychological than anything else. I mean, Trump is running up deficits that Obama, I don't even think, could dream of running up. <laughs> and let's remember that when, when Obama was you know, proposing his big infrastructure plan, it was like the $800 billion infrastructure plan after he was elected and the Republicans were flipping out about it because of the deficits. Now look at this. Nobody says anything. It's, it is a psychological thing. There was this feeling under the Obama administration where I don't want to say businesses were the bad guys, but it was definitely a more popular populist type of of approach. You know what I mean? Like all for the workers and all for the people and, you know, that kind of stuff. And business people should be and the wealthy should be should be sort of paying the way. And when Trump became president, I physically saw among my clients, among my readers, among people that I speak to and you know, you know, and at around the country, the sort of a big sigh of relief that they weren't so targeted anymore, that there would be these regulations. You know, one of us is in the office, so to speak, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. One of us is in the office, right? And again, for better or for worse with Trump, that's a whole other conversation right. you and I could have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's be clear, Gene. He's not one of us. Okay. Yeah, he is not. <laughs> he, I mean, we, we can all, agree. Only in business. Only in business. Because he's because he's in business, we can say that. Not not the kind of business, you know, because I think by and large, most business leaders would not operate like he operated. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I think yeah, I mean just, most business leaders they enjoy what he you know what he does on paper, but then they are very uncomfortable uh, by the way he behaves and and conducts himself, and it is not you know not the way that you would expect a president to behave. But having said that, you said it earlier about a lot of the stuff in Washington not affecting you know businesses in in you know in Middle America and putting aside you know a, a nuclear missile. Hitting, you know, you know, some yeah. somewhere else, or or tariffs devastating farms, or or all of that. A lot of the business owners I speak to, people that are mechanics, people are distributors, people that are you know in the equipment business, you know, they're they're they feel like they're kind of being left alone now to just do their thing. You know, they're right. they're not as regulated. They're not as, you know, taxes are going down besides all the you know, deficits issue. They're paying less in taxes. So they, like you just said, they, they kind of feel like they got one of us in the, in the White House. And it's, it's literally, I, I literally saw a physical reaction to that, like a sigh of relief. And look, markets and administrations and businesses, so much of it is psychology, you know, and it's just a different psychology when, when he became president, for better or for worse. 
I think you're you're spot on with that. I want to come back to the whole thing about driving change in a second. Let me let me speaking of I, I want to talk about some good friends real quick. I want to we spend all of our money in so many different ways, and you know we invest in unimportant things. It's time we start investing in our most valuable asset, and that's my friends is you. It's you. It's ourselves, right? So I'm talking about Elytra Health Services now. Elytra is a place in in uh, downtown New York City. So you need to get them to New York. When you come to New York, I want you to make an appointment to go see the Elytra team at ElytraHealth.com and schedule your appointment because you go in there, it's a very big executive service, which uh, when I say big executive service, like it's 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 over the top. You go in, they treat you, they run tests on you, bone scans, bone density scans, uh, MRIs, a blood test, uh, urine test, uh, they probe and they prod and they put you through the ringer. And you don't have to wait for weeks to get the results. You get the results right there on the spot. You meet with a dietitian, you meet with a physiologist, you meet with a doctor for hours. I met with this doctor for hours. And when he went through every single report and and explained them to me and what was good, cholesterol, bad cholesterol, high, low, what I needed to work on, what I needed to fix, you know, did I have any widow makers? You know, those were the kind of things that I learned. And I also brought my spouse and she did the same thing. And I know many couples that do this. So uh, it's something you want to think about. Just go to Elite health.com and schedule your appointment. You're going to be glad you did. I mean, this is a pretty cool deal. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about drive and change. What do you think are some of the biggest changes affecting small business right now? Well, there, there are some changes that are coming out of DC, of course. I mean, tax reform is a big change. Yeah. That's having you know a big impact. Healthcare continues to weigh down on small businesses, and that's at a constant state of change. And you and I talked about earlier in this conversation about uncertainty. And, you know, healthcare is like, you know, it's probably the third or fourth biggest line item on anybody's Yeah, I was going to say, right? it's one of the biggest line items that I've got in my business. And yeah. I, I do yeah. full benefits. I don't know. Do you do full benefits for all your employees? I do. So, you know, I mean, I pay for, you know, for single coverage for my individual, for my, you know, employees and then they have to cover their families. Sure. But I'm, I'm getting smarter. I'm like, I'm learning. I said, that's a very common thing, right? I mean, it for is. most business owners. It is. I'm just getting smarter about sort of what some of the options are, like, you know, health savings accounts and, um, you know, trying to, you know, set up things like level funded plans or, or MERPs. They're like, you know, managed expense reimbursement plans. There are a lot of different things that are out there that if you got to really study it and put your mind to it, the problem is you're running a bit like I'm not a healthcare guy, Jeff. You know what I mean? Like I saw CRM systems. So it's really confusing and time consuming to do this. And then everything's changing. I mean, the, you know, the administration now is proposing association health plans. They're proposing now for skin plans to be allowed that we can offer. And so it just, it just adds a lot of different, a lot of different things that business owners have to think about. So that's driving a lot of change. And then of course, technology. I mean, there are some, some game-changing technologies that are happening in this world that are going to have an enormous impact on anybody running a business over the next few years. And, you know, my smarter clients are keeping a very close eye and starting to squirrel away some cash to make sure they can afford to make some investments. So what do you think are those big technology changes that are coming? You know, some of them, they're going to happen by default. Like, for example, like, you know, automation, yeah. artificial intelligence and bots. You know, I was I was telling somebody the other day, like, I've got a little dog and she's she's really sick. And, you know, we you know we go to a CVS store in town here in Philly and get all this medication. I mean, they know us by name with all the medication she's taking. Anyway, I get texts from CVS like every day saying that like, oh, you know, Lavender's so-and-so pill is, by the way, I didn't name this dog. That was my wife's name. La- yeah. No, yeah. We, we, know, we know you did. We know you did. Just, just you got to give into that. But yeah. anyway, so no, it's like <laughs> Lavender's so-and-so medication is due and then I'll respond 
back, you know, okay, fine, please renew. And then it'll be, you know, I get a text back from CVS saying, oh, I've got to contact your vet. You ran out of refills. Is that okay? I say, it's okay. Then they text me back saying, okay, I've checked you with your vet. It's okay. Do you want to order? I say, yes. I'm not talking to a human being here. I mean, I'm, I'm literally yeah. talking to a robot that's doing that. And I think most small businesses, as they evolve with their CRM and their ERP and their, you know, their you know, Microsoft Office, Google apps are all starting to build in this type of automation. And I think it's going to have an enormous impact. Internet of Things technologies will be enormous. I mean, anybody running a manufacturing facility, there are sensors and chips going onto all new equipment that my clients are buying. People that are planting stuff, they're in the agricultural business, there are sensors and chips there. People that have you know, trucks and transportation, you know, there's sensors on those vehicles as well. And it's tracking, tracking, tracking and, and providing data and, you know, so that we can, you know, foresee in advance when we're running low on stock or when we're, we need to reorder stuff or if a machine needs maintenance or needs work or the location of a, you know, our goods, huge stuff that's going to be impacting us over there. And I'm just getting started. There's other ones. Yeah, I mean, well. it just, it's like even things like, you know, somebody said, well, why would you want all this internet of things? I said, imagine you're a truck driver on a route with Coca-Cola. Let's give you that one. Right. Like your Coca-Cola right. or Pepsi. Let's talk about Pepsi too. Let's get them both in here. And I got to go buy and see what the inventory is, how much I need to bring up Diet Pepsi or Diet Coke or Mountain Dew or whatever it is. And and by the way, the, the chip sets or the Internet of Things will tell me that. Or, you know, you got to fill a Coke machine. Well, wouldn't you want to know before you lug up all cases and cases of the stuff upstairs because there's no place to put it because there's no closet that you know which one's out and which one's not? That would that would be cool. Not you know, and you shouldn't wait till next Tuesday because you know Mellow Yellow was out. You know that's the kind of stuff yep. that's going to do. That's that's big stuff. It's giving. You're absolutely right, and it's it's giving brains to inanimate objects. I mean, look at Amazon. I mean, they, they plan on having like three thousand of their Amazon Go stores across the country in the next few years, all driven by Internet of Things stuff. You walk into a grocery store and you get a container of milk off the shelf, and you know the minute that there's not enough milk left there, a sensor is reordering that milk, so it comes and gets delivered the next day, and and then you have a you know a sensor on your phone, in fact a, a barcode scanner that scans the milk, and then you pay for it with your phone because you've got to get set up for mobile payments. And all of that is without employees and it's automating. And that's what's happening in the grocery business. And then there's the transportation business. I mean, we hear so much about autonomous vehicles, but all these major trucking companies are investing in, in their own autonomous trucks. You know, 23 states have now approved autonomous trucking lanes to test out these autonomous trucks. You've got Volvo running post trucks that are, that are without people in it around Stockholm. They're testing out and underneath in mines and Daimler-Benz and other you know automobile manufacturers that are making this stuff. That to me, put aside Uber and the driver cars, when you have automated trucks that are transporting our goods, you think about it, they can run 24 hours a day with one driver in the cab who can be sleeping, you know, except when they arrive at the destination and they go at a safe distance, it cuts insurance costs, it cuts fuel costs. You know, there are a lot of issues because trucking employs a lot of people, but the cost savings are just unreal. That's going to have a huge impact on, on how we're moving goods over the next few years. It'd be fascinating to watch. Yeah, I hate to see the truck stops go. It's just a good, 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 good. I love those yeah, places. Yeah, good greasy food, you know. It's just really good. Yeah, I love <laughs> And that. the showers. I was once at a Denny's at a truck shop. They had a whole shower system there, and they were, they were calling you. Shower number 23 is available, and some big dirty guy next to me gets up and goes back there and crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, it is a little crazy if you've ever been to one of those, and they're they're big, and there's some big operators of that, which I think. Yeah. But, you know, but some of this, when I hear you talk about that, which I find fascinating because of the other 
the, the service side of that or the efficiencies of that. I mean, you know, and you yeah. think about the way things has changed so much. I mean, let's, you know, let's just take Airbnb. I mean, who would have thought, you know, I would have told you 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you're going to let someone stay in your house so you don't know and sit naked on your couch. I mean, you know, and, pay, and they'll yeah, pay you for the right true. to do it, right? You know, now, first of all, I'm not doing that because second, I'm not just letting anybody in my house. But but there are people that do it and good power. I, I And I'm not staying at, your, at someone's Airbnb either because I just don't care for that. But that's a different deal. All right. So, Gene, I have to ask you, because we talk about all these changes, these efficiencies, but it kind of bothers me because, you know, I go into a big box store today and there's all these people who are supposedly working there and I can't get any help. And it's going to be worse if we automate all this stuff, don't you think? Yeah, it's funny. You know, I just wrote in the post just today, there was a study that came out from MetLife where they interviewed like almost 5,000 employers and employees about different things affecting benefits, including technology. And surprisingly enough, you know, more than half of the employers favored investing in technology to, you know, automate things more and reduce overhead. And 49% of employees also supported investments in technology, which surprised me because, you know, whenever you read the headlines, it's always like millions and millions of jobs are going to be lost because of, you know, ro robots and automation. Yeah all that kind of stuff. And you would think workers would be up in arms. But I think the fact of the matter is, you know, number one, most of the employers that I talk to can't find workers to do particularly low-skilled jobs. It's, you know, generationally, a lot of millennials don't really want to do that stuff. They want to do stuff that takes more thinking. Fair enough. You know, immigration might have an impact on that as well. But it's just, it's becoming more and more of an issue. And so employers are being forced to make investments in these types of technologies. But having said that though, you know, both, even back, back to that MetLife study, half of the employers, you know, the employers and the employees that were surveyed, the majority of them actually said that they, you still want to use that human connection as their biggest fear because you can't automate it all. This isn't the Jetsons, you know, <laughs> you just said you still go into a store and, you know, you still might you know want some human contact and, and you want good skilled service people to help you make a decision. I think good people like that will never will never be in short supply. I think you're always going to need people to do that stuff. So automation is not going to replace them. Yeah, it's certainly not the Jetsons if you've got a dog named Lavender over Astro, by the way. That's a point. There. So it's cool. This is true. That's so cool. What kind of dog is it? I'm just curious. Oh, it's a little cavalier. What's a cavalier? I don't know. I don't know that breed. What is cavalier that? King Charles? I live in. We live in an apartment, you uh, know, in, in Philly, so uh, we can't have a big. You live in South Dakota, so I'm assuming your dog is like the size of a horse, right? You know, <laughs> I do. I have horses. That is my dog. Okay, so there you go. That's what it is. <laughs> He's like 15 pounds. Uh, well, if it's a little dog, it should have a name like uh, Lavender, right? Or, right. or something. I don't know. So what? So how do you think being a small business owner today is different than it was 10, 20 years ago? You know, that's such a great question because it was a, look, I started my business 20 years ago. I mean, Jeff, when I started my business, I'll never forget this. I was, I was working with my dad and in between stops, like in clients, I used to look for gas stations. See if you remember this, where they, where they would have phone booths with long cords on the with the phone so I could I could actually drive up in my car and make phone calls yeah. from a phone oh, you yeah. know like I would and I would do that for an hour calling back clients and answering questions and whatnot I mean the technology is just has enabled existing businesses to run so much more productively and efficiently and profitably and reach as you know customers all around the world and it's so lowered the barrier of entry for any freelancer, hobbyist, you know, solopreneur to get into business. You still need to be smart and work hard and know some math, but really the barriers to entry to run a business has really has really gone down. Unfortunately, you know, student debt has gone up 
And I think that's having a huge impact on a lot of would-be entrepreneurs to get into business. That and health insurance seems to stop a lot of people, I think, from being innovative entrepreneurs because it's like they need jobs to be able to pay back, you know, their, their liabilities. You know, 20 years ago, you never would have thought about running a business out of your house because it just didn't look good. Right. You know, but today it's nothing. I mean, I, oh man, I wish I could work out of my house, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how the attitude of that changed. Cause I'm, my dad did back in the day, he, you know, he would do work from home and he would always try to cover it up because it wasn't, people didn't do that. Right. You know, now it's like, it's not a big deal. If you say, yeah, I'm running a business out of my house or I have a virtual, I have a virtual company. I mean, I have 10 employees. We have no offices. We have a post office box outside of Philadelphia. Everybody works from home. We're like the world's most dysfunctional company because we, we never see each other as a group except maybe at Christmas or during the summer. So we're running around dealing with clients. So, you know, I, at the same time, my overhead is really low and I can operate that way without having to pay rent and all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, there are pros and cons to being in this environment, but boy, it's, I just think, and then I think, you know, where the world's going to go with, with digital payments as well, you know, the, just the continued growth of the internet, the ease to sell products overseas, and hopefully the breaking down of some barriers and borders, despite what this administration is doing, I think will provide incredible opportunities for, for businesses and entrepreneurs in the years to come. I'm excited by well, that. You know, and with the advance of technology, it's made the smallest of businesses look like the biggest Businesses. Yeah. I mean, look at us. I mean, I mean, you're putting, you, you do like a professional radio show online yeah. with a cloud-based service and it sounds great and, and it's popular and it's great. I mean, you couldn't have imagined doing that, frankly, five years ago, let alone 10 or 15 years ago. A year ago. ago. Quite frankly, a year yeah. ago. A year ago, I had to have a studio. It's amazing. It's amazing. And now think of Think about what's going to happen with Facebook, you know, Facebook Live, YouTube video itself. That technology is getting cheaper and cheaper. And Facebook, I was just, you know, I wanted to watch a Phillies game the other week. I couldn't watch. I had to watch it on Facebook. So, you know, because it's turning into a TV network where anybody can broadcast their own show, just like you're doing your podcast. Mm. You just have to be careful with that because they're, they're watching you and you might do something in the seventh inning stretch and they know that now. So your data. <laughs> <That's just> you <laughs> yeah, listen, if they're, they're watching, they know I like Oreos, cookies, fine. Send me some ads for Oreo cookies. I'm good with that. I am actually, this is like, it's like having a great bartender knows what you like to drink and sets it down before you have to ask for it. I like that. Couldn't agree with you, yeah. but don't you write? I mean, well, you're a marketer, yeah. you know, by trade and you, know, you like that data. And I'm like, hey, man, whatever information you need to make my life easier and deliver me products I like, go for it. Bring it yeah, on. It's not creepy. I think it's it's serving you. It's like a, to me, a very think. servant mentality. I think you should be doing that. I Question. Think. You know, we're truly seeing what I call the most impending transfer of the world's biggest transfer of wealth from the older generation to the, a new younger generation. Are you seeing this transfer starting yet? Yeah, I mean, let's face it, the boomers are getting older, right? I mean, those, you know, that are in that generation, 20% of the US population is going to be over the age of like 60 years old within the next five, 10 years. So that's happening right now. I'm seeing a lot of people at least try to sell their businesses, Jeff. I mean, it's a good time to sell. Interest rates are relatively low. So if you want to buy a business, you can finance it still at a pretty decent rate. Tax rates are relatively low as well. That helps. Again, the boomers are aging. So I'm, I'm seeing that trend. You know, the, the big issue though, is that there are a lot, a lot of small businesses that are throughout the country. I mean, they're not all just in New York and in San Francisco, right? They're in South Dakota where you yeah. are. And, you know, they, I know a lot of my clients there and the people that I, you know, my readers, and my, they're having a hard time attracting buyers because, you know, the 30-year-old or 35-year-old isn't, no offense, isn't as attracted to going to South Dakota as they are to the bright what? lights and, you know, the, the big, what? I know. Get crazy, out of here. Right? What I mean, the hell? We got snow. We got snow. Right, come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. 
beautiful skies as well. I mean, come on, right? And there's the internet. You can watch Netflix yeah, in South Netflix. Dakota, for goodness sake. You've got to get the word out. Yeah, farmersonly.com too. There you go. There you go. You, get, you can date yep. if you want out here. But, you know, I, it, I think it's a harder thing for the younger people to get the capital. I think that's the biggest issue. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, like we were talking about earlier, they're so burdened by debt. It's an issue. The capital's out there. It's just, it's servicing yeah. it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, luckily we're not where we were 10 years ago where, you know, you, you couldn't get financing. Now, that, you know, traditional banks are lending. Even the relaxation in Dodd-Frank is going to make it easier for community banks and independent banks to be loaning more money. The SBA is still extremely active. There's a lot of online lenders that they loan money. The capital's out there. But, you know, like you said, yeah, I mean, people with their with their debts, you know, this from, you know, college and university and also with their more, it's tough to service that debt. So that's going to be a big, big challenge. Yeah. But there's always challenges for every generation, isn't there? I mean, yeah. geez, I mean, think about the you know, people in, in wars that were yeah. fought, you know, 50, 60, 80 years ago. Talk about challenges then, you know? Yeah, education, everything. So it's a big, yeah. big, big difference. I got one minute left. With one minute left, I want to ask you, what's the best, what is the single best tool that you could not live without? I mean, if I said, I'm going to take this away, you would fight me for it. I don't know how any business does not have a customer relationship management system. It's amazing. I, I and by the way, I do talk to a lot of business owners and they'll tell me what they got. And they'll, and a lot of them will use some cheap thing or something that they got for free. I'm going, what are you nuts? Yeah. It is crazy. Database and not only besides all the benefits that it provides to you operationally, I'm seeing client after client when they look to bring on partners or even sell their businesses. It's a big data world. And if you do a good job at building your CRM database, that's an asset that you can sell along with everything else in your company. And people don't seem to realize that that is, I don't, I live inside my CRM system. I just don't know how people don't, whether you're a retail shop or restaurant, I don't care. You still have a customer base, the community that you should be, you know, contacting and reaching out to and engaging and People seem to, a lot of people still don't do that. Crazy to me. All right. Well, words of wisdom right there from Gene Marks. Gene, it's been a pleasure having with you. We're going to have to have you back. I know it's great always seeing you when we've appeared on television together too. So that's always good. We both have faces, not not just for radio, but for TV, dude, which is we prove it every day. Speak to yourself. I'm more of a radio face. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for being on All Business. Thank you, Jeff. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. Wow, that was a great show and a good interview. I love talking to smart people like Gene. And before I talk about the thing that I learned the most, I want to talk about my good friends at Liberty Tax. You know, the gig economy is booming in the United States. In fact, by 2020, 40% of American workers will be freelancers. We talked a little bit about that in the show with Gene, didn't we? So no matter what you know about the gig economy, you need to be aware of your tax responsibilities and the professionals at Liberty Tax are ready to help. They have over 4,000 locations in the U.S. and Canada. So Liberty Tax Preparers can help anyone work as a freelancer and get the most accurate return guaranteed. So with the office nearest you, go visit libertytax.com. So at the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. And what I learned was how to be unromantic. 
Now, I like to be romantic. I always send my wife flowers, but it's not a good thing when you're romantic in business. That means you romanticize the idea of business and you really need to take the emotion out from time to time and, you know, do it for the right business reasons. And that's what I was reminded from today's discussion with Gene Mark. So, but let's be romantic now. I'm going to, I'm going to woo you and invite you to come and like my podcast and tell others about the podcast. So go rate it on iTunes would be an awesome thing to do and let people know that you listen because that's how people find out about great things is through their friends. So do me a favor, recommend me, tweet it out, put it on Facebook, put it on LinkedIn, or just write somebody and said, hey, I heard a great podcast today. And I want you to know a little bit more about all business with Jeffrey Hazlett right here on C-Suite Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.